And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Imagine you were there. Imagine you were there that first Christmas. Imagine you were out in the fields with those shepherds. Years later, how would you describe what happened? It was probably as cold as it is tonight. Maybe a little colder. I went and I, I, I gathered so many sticks and I put them on the fire, but I, I couldn't stay any warmer. But the sheep, the sheep were good that night. They were good. Except for Seamus. Seamus the sheep, he was, he had problems. He always wandered off and he would bump his head into a tree or a big rock. In fact, I remember that night he had wandered off and I, I went after him and I said, hey, you sheep, get away from that tree. And I started to walk him back to the flock when all of a sudden the light explodes across the sky. It was an angel. Don't ask me how I knew it was an angel. It had to be an angel. I've never seen one, but what else could it be? And I remember just seeing it, and my heart started pounding, and my, my knees, they started to shake. I had never been as scared as I was in that moment. But then, then, then the angel spoke. And this is what he said. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then all of a sudden, there was another angel there and there, and then there were so many I couldn't count. And they began to sing. They were singing glory to God. Just, just as quickly as it started, it was over. And I, I remember looking around to the other shepherds around me just to see if they had seen what I had seen. And then I looked at their faces and I knew, yes, they had and so we decided to go to Bethlehem, and so we ran. We ran as fast as our legs would carry us. And we got to the manger. And there he was. He was just a baby. He was just a baby. But I kept hearing the words of the angel inside of my head. Savior, Messiah, Lord. And my heart just started to stir and it exploded with joy. 
And as we went back to the fields, we were singing, we were laughing, we were shouting praises to God. And we told everyone and anyone about what we just saw. You see, we knew, we knew at that moment that everything changed. How would you respond to a message like the one that the angel gave the shepherds? What would you do if you had received that message? You see, we're going to study that message today. And all you're going to need to learn today are two things. You're going to learn about good news and great joy. Good news, great joy. Let's start with the good news. But before we start with the good news, let's do a little bit of a survey real quick. How many of you have ever had someone come up to you and say, I've got good news and I've got bad news? Okay. It's usually followed by a question. Which would you like to hear first? How many of you say good news first? Not many of you. How many of you say bad news? That's because you are correct. <laughs> it's always bad news first. You can't appreciate the good news if you're worrying about the bad news. And until you hear the bad news, you can't really understand and comprehend the good news. That's the same way it is with Christmas. Christmas is about good news. But you can't understand the good news until you understand the bad news. So let me tell you some bad news. It's found in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You, me, all of humanity, we have sinned. And sin is when you do something that God doesn't want you to do or you don't do something that God wants you to do. But it's more than that. You see, when we sin, we outright reject God. We rebel against him. We say that we're in charge. We put ourselves over God. And if we were to keep reading Romans, in chapter 6, we would see there's a very real consequence for our sin. The Bible says that the consequence for sin is death, eternal separation from God. And that is some really bad news. I know that some of you are leaning over to the person next to you and saying, I thought this was supposed to be about joy. That doesn't sound very joyful. And then some of you now are leaning over and saying, I don't sound like that at all. <laughs> you are right. If we were to stop the story there, there's no reason to celebrate at Christmas. There's no reason for joy. But God was not okay with stopping the story there. And so he made a promise. You see, he knew that there was nothing we could do to get ourselves out of that bad news situation. There was no amount of times that we could go to church. There was no amount of times that we could do good things. There was no amount of times that we could invite our in-laws over for Christmas dinner. None of that could erase the bad news and make it good news. We needed someone to save us. We needed a savior. And so God promised that he would send a savior. And he sent that Savior when Jesus was born. You see, two of my 
favorite verses in the Bible about Christmas are found in the book of John. John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That is the why of Christmas. That is why Christmas had to happen. But with every great why, there should be a great because. And I would love to give you some of the becauses of Christmas today. You see, because we needed a Savior, God promised that he would send one. Because God promised that he would send a Savior, he sent his son, Jesus, to be born in a manger. Because Jesus was born in a manger, he was able to live a perfect life where he healed many, where he did many miracles. Because Jesus lived a perfect life, he was a satisfactory payment, and he was able to die a death on a cross that was meant to satisfy the punishment for you and for me. Because he died that death on a cross, he was able to be taken down and put into a tomb and a big stone rolled in front of it. Because he was in a tomb, that stone rolled away three days later and he was able to walk out alive and eternally victorious. Because he was alive, he was able to go and return to his Father in heaven, leaving us here with a mission to continue what he started. And because... He left, he will one day return. And we can live with that secure, assured hope in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the craziness, with lives filled with joy. That is some really good news. And that good news leads to great joy. Great joy. You ever notice around this time when it comes to Christmas, joy's everywhere we look, right? If you, at the end of the service, want to go and get some coffee and donuts and you go to Dunkin', you'll probably have a cup that has joy written on it. Maybe you'll decide to go on Christmas Eve and go look at some of the lights in the neighborhoods. Chances are one of those homes has a display with joy there. Maybe you're going to go home and you're going to go onto Disney Plus and you're going to stream Inside Out and you'll see a yellow character named Joy. Joy is everywhere we look. Everywhere we look, we see joy. If everywhere we look, we see joy, why are there so many people searching for joy? If everywhere we look, joy is all around us. Why are so many people still searching? I have five kids and two puppies. My kids are older now. They're all teenagers except for my oldest. He's 21. But when they were younger, they used to love to play hide and seek. And when they were really young, they used to do something like this. I'm supposed to go and find them. They will go and hide in a corner in some room, just standing there, Like this. (laughs) As if they couldn't see me, so then I couldn't see them. 
So what would happen sometimes is I'd walk into the room and I would pretend to not see them. I would pretend that I could go and find what I was looking for somewhere else. Until they dropped their hands and they said, here I am. And I would turn around and say, I found you. You know, for some of us, when it comes to joy, we're just pretending. We're walking around, searching in different places for joy. And all the time, Jesus is there with his arms open wide saying, here I am, here I am, here I am. Because the truth of the matter is, is that true joy, real joy, can only come from Jesus. In fact, the Bible says that joy is a characteristic of the fruit of God's Spirit in us. It's a result of God being with us. And that's one of the beauties of Christmas. That when Jesus came, it was God with us. You see, sometimes in our pursuit of joy, we're kind of focused on ourselves, right? If you're anything like me, you base your joy off of your circumstances, right? You search for joy maybe in a job. You search for joy in a relationship. You search for joy in something material that you wanted. And all the while, you keep searching the wrong way while Jesus is over there saying, here I am, here I am, here I am. In order to experience the joy that Jesus offers us, sometimes we have to shift our focus and turn towards him. And the amazing thing is that when we turn towards Jesus, it is Jesus that then says to us, I found you. I found you. You see, when it comes to experiencing the joy of Christmas, you need to shift your focus. You need to keep your focus on Jesus over yourself. The key to joy, to real joy, is keeping your focus on Jesus over yourself. J O why? Jesus over yourself. And that starts by understanding one very simple truth. Remember the bad news? Remember when I said when we sin, we kind of outright reject God? We put ourselves over God. You see, if you want to experience joy, you have to understand that Jesus needs to be over you. There are three titles given in that message that we read by the angel. There was Messiah, there was Savior, but there was also Lord. There was also Lord. When you accept Jesus' gift of joy, when you accept his gift of being your Savior, you also accept him as Lord. And you need to keep Jesus over yourself. And if you've never done that, it is the greatest gift you could give Jesus on his birthday. The greatest Christmas gift you could ever give Jesus is accepting his gift of himself to you. If that's something that you want to do, you can actually do that now as we pray. There's nothing magical in the words that I'm going to say. But if that is your decision, it is the greatest gift you could ever give Jesus. You can pray along with me as we pray now. Jesus, thank you for your gift.
Thank you for your gift of love. I know that I've messed up a lot and that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to not only be my Savior, but to be my Lord. Help me to live a life filled with the joy that you bring. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 